0: Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our midst. Father, we ask you to examine our hearts. Examine our hearts and, and, and reveal to us what areas we need to work on, what areas we're not right. Father, put in us a, a, a heart. That loves you and hungers more for you, more, more than what we have in the past. Give us a hunger, Father, and a thirst for everything in the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We well, can go ahead and be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, you know, last week I, I started teaching, ministering about the purpose for intercession, and we're gonna continue in that vein today, I want to talk to you today about the power of intercession. And um, I'm not too sure we're going to go the way I, th- I I thought we were going to go. We're just going to go by the Holy Ghost and, uh, and do what he wants to do, because he's kind of taken me a little bit in a different direction. So we're just going to kind of go. You know, intercession is very important. One of the areas, the most overlooked area in the church today. Um you, you very very seldom do you hear people talk about intercession. Um, in a lot of churches, there's a few that that do. I'm not saying we're the only one, but I'm just saying in numbers wise, you don't hear a lot of people talking about intercession, but intercession actually uh, creates the, the, the road that your faith can travel on. It's extremely important. You know, uh, about a year ago, the Lord spoke to us and said, I want you to start having intercessory, intercessory prayers on the first Saturday of each month. And he said, I want you to sp- you pray specifically for the city of Boonville. And the Lord started imparting to me what what his vision, what he saw in the city, and is he said it's coming, you know, it's it's coming to pass, and he's giving me this vision. I'm seeing people praying in the streets. I'm seeing people sitting on door, on on porches. And having Bible studies and talking about the Lord. And as you walk, as you go through city the city, people are the, the conversation instead of what's going on in the world is the conversation is about the Lord. All right. And I'm talking young and old, it's not just one and and uh, you know I, I see this more and more I see it more with happening with the younger generation than the older generation. The problem with the older generation, which unfortunately I'm part of it at this time, is that we become set in our ways. I'm not going to be set in my ways. But they do become, older people become set in their ways, and they only see things through what they've experienced. So they have, we have a tendency to to view God and the movement of God in what we're used to. And very few of us in the older generation have actually seen a move of God, really. Um, we, he's moved in our lives, but not the move of revival and awakening that we're, we've been praying for. But God just, bur- you know, I've got this burden for, for this city. And even when, you know, I remember years ago, people looked at Moonville as it was like the, the last stop on earth. You know, uh, they didn't think very highly of this city. But God's been working and changing all that. But the, the vision is is for this city to become a city of prayer. A city known for the presence of God, and so that takes intercessor It takes intercessors because without intercession, nothing takes place. And the church needs to understand that. You know, we want to see things happen, but we don't want to spend time interceding. And I'm not just talking about coming to church and interceding. This is something you do in your own private life. You do it at home. You intercede for the church. You intercede for the city. You intercede for the government and things like that. What we're called to. And you know, you might say, "Well, but I don't know how. I don't know how to pray." Well, you, prayer is simply communication with the Lord. That's all prayer is. It's communion with the Father. And some of the things we're starting to see, we're starting to see some, you know, here in the last year, we we see God moving in, in this city. Some things happening in the church. But um, I want to talk a little bit too about what we've seen here in the last week. There's a. Um, there's a revival happening in Kentucky, uh, Asbury um, College University, that started on Wednesday, and people are coming and and uh, it's been going on 24 hours every day since. They're coming into the services and they're just seeking the presence of God. Um, God's raising up people to to speak a word. Somebody will stand up and read scriptures. Others will just spend time singing praise and worship. But even through through that there's people in various parts of the, of the service while the service is going on interceding. Interceding for for people. Interceding for revival and awakening in 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 the land. Because we need the presence of God, we need a move of God in this nation like we we have never needed it before. But we have to see that. See everything happens in, in, in intercession based on how you see things in the realm of the Spirit. All right? That's how things are brought to pass. Your, your faith operates that way. If you need heal- healing, you've got to take the Word of God and say, okay, it says that by His stripes I'm healed. Now, if you want that to manifest, you're going to have to believe that Scripture. You're going to have to see yourself. And I'm not talking about with your natural eyes. I'm talking about in the sp- in your spirit. You see yourself healed. You see, your, if you need deliverance, you take deliverance scriptures. All right? And you see yourself delivered. You see it. Not with your physical eyes, but with your spiritual eyes. That's what you see. I'm reminding you, know, and I was brought this testimony back about this woman that had... And I know I've shared it with you before, That, but she, she was blind and she'd been blind for years, years. And she'd, she'd go to church and, and have people pray for her and, and nothing happened. And, and she, she just got to the point where she didn't want people praying for her anymore. She'd given up. Well, this church was in particular was having uh, healing services and the, and, the, and the man, I can't remember his name, was there ministering and he was ministering for about a week. And it got to about the last day and he noticed this woman, she was at every service and she's sitting in the back and she'd never come up for prayer. And uh, the last service, he asked her to stand up and, and come forward and someone helped, and they helped her to come forward because she's blind. And he, and he said, do you mind if I pray for you? And she said, well, yeah, you can. You can. He said... Okay, I understand that you're that you you're blind because I've seen you, you you come in with people helping you and you got a, that white stick, you know. That he said, uh, I want you before I pray. I want you to see yourself seen. I want you to see yourself seen. And then he then he prayed. He said now, he said he said he said now when I pray, he said I want you to close your eyes. Now visualize, see yourself seen. And he prayed for her. And he said, now, do you see? And she opened her eyes and she she said, no, I don't see. He said, I didn't ask you to open your eyes. He said, close your eyes. She closed her eyes. He said, now, do you see yourself seen? And again, she opened her eyes. She said, No, I don't. Well, this happened about three or four times. And after the, after the fourth time, he said, he said, Ma'am, listen, I didn't ask you to open your eyes. I asked you to keep your eyes closed. Now, close your eyes. And I'll pray for you again. And when I'm done, I want to ask you the question Do you see yourself seen? And when he was done, he asked, you, asked her the question. He said, Now, do you see yourself seen? She said, yes, I do. And he said, now, open your eyes. And she opened her eyes and she could see. That, in a nutshell, is faith. You've got to see it on the inside first. Intercession is the same, happens the same way. You have to see it in the realm of the Spirit before it comes to pass don't see it, if you don't see it happening in the realm of the Spirit, changing in the realm of the Spirit, it'll never come to pass, even though you desi- you have a desire. And many Christians, they're begging God for things, not just for themselves, but for their families, for their neighborhoods, for their jobs, and, and people that they know and they love. And it's really, it, it's more of akin to begging God to do something, but see, there's no faith in begging God. God already wants to do it, and he's already done it. He did it 2,000 years ago. He made it official 2,000 years ago. We just have to attach to it our faith. So intercession is you taking the word of God in, 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 in an area and start applying that word and say, I see, it. I see this coming to pass. I see it coming to pass. Even though in the natural... It doesn't look that way. That's faith. At the same time, I, hinted, I, I said a little bit about this in the beginning. You're going to be persecuted for that. You're going to be hated for that. Because that's not how the world thinks. That's not how they act. And most of the church today doesn't even act that way. Oh, they hope, they, they hope that God will move. They want to see God. They don't know how to take the promises of God and literally stand on them because they don't understand the power that they have, that you have, because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, go to open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5. James 5. I don't know how long I'll go today because I don't want to do communion at the end here. But there's a few things. I know I'm not going to get through all of this today. There's just not, there's not enough time and I don't want to try to pack a lot into, into something. James chapter 5. In verse 7 it says this, Be patient therefore, brethren, Unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. That word husbandman means farmer. We don't use that term anymore. We would say the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Okay? So, we're going to have to have patience. When you're believing God and you're interceding, you, the key is going to be patience. Just because you don't see something manifest in two days or two weeks doesn't mean you quit. Amen. It does not mean you quit. Amen. It doesn't mean what you saw in the Spirit is not going to come to pass. Paul said it this way, while we look not at the things that we see, but we look at the things that we do not see. What was he talking about? He's talking about Intercession. Because the things that we see, they're temporal. They're temporary. They're subject to change. But the things that we don't see, those are eternal. Those are eternal. It's the power that you have. But James goes on here in in chapter 5. Let's pick it up here in verse... um, Let's pick us back up here in verse 14. He says, he says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, understand what he's saying here. He says, is any sick among you? In other words, James was saying, there should be sick people here. But if there is, let them call for the elders of the church. See, if James were to, re- were to write that, that scripture today, he'd have to say it a little bit different in the, in the church today because he'd say, for those of you that are sick, because in most churches there are people sick. Yeah. That's the condition of the church today. But why? Because we haven't, we haven't relied on this word. We haven't been teaching this word. So he says, let him pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse fifteen: and The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. It didn't say might; it said shall. Right? Shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So see, when, the one thing that you when you when you what he was saying is when you pray for people, saying, "Now listen, brother or sister, the Lord's forgiven you of your sins." If you confess it, he's already forgiven you of them. So when we pray for you, the power of God's going to go in you. It's going to heal you. It's going to deliver you. And the people understood that. So guess what happened? People got healed. They received healing. Now he goes on here. He goes in verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. He didn't say confess, confess your sins. He said confess your faults one to another. And pray for another that he may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much or has much power. Some versions, I think the New King James says, has much power. The effectual, fervent. So, what is the effectual? It means that word effectual means powerful prayer of a righteous man who's right. We're all righteous. If you're you're born again, you are the righteousness of Christ. Not on your based on your righteousness, but based on his righteousness. So your prayers have much power. And the devil will fight you to try to make you think your prayers don't mean anything. So that's why when you ask when a lot of Christians sometimes you'll you talk to them about praying, this well, we don't pray, you know, until we really need to pray bad. And well, how, how how does that work out for you? Well, usually not too well. That's why they don't pray. Why? Because they don't they don't receive anything when they do pray, so why pray? That's their attitude. What's the problem? The problem is they don't have the knowledge, they don't have understanding, that their prayers are powerful, all right? So he says here, he says, confess your faults. He says the effectual fervent prayer, here's the other word, fervent. What's fervent mean? It means continued. Not one that you just pray and um, you give up on, but you're, you're, you're always, when a situation arises, that doesn't mean you're continuing to ask God to do something or to heal someone. No, you're, you're reminding the realm of the Spirit, all right, which is not only the Father, but it's all the, the demonic uh, powers out there that are coming against the situation. You're reminding them what the Word of God has already said on that situation. So your prayers are fervent. No, Satan, this is the way it is. I've already prayed. And by his stripes they're healed. They're healed. They're healed. I I see him healed. I see him walking. I see I see them I see them living a full life. This is not the end, this is just the beginning. To the glory of God. To the glory of God. Now he says this, he goes on. Verse 17. Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to to like passions as we are. Notice what he's saying here. Here's Elijah that was just like you and me. I might add there was one little difference is that the the difference between Elijah and us is he had the Spirit of God upon him we have the Spirit of God in us. A little bit different, a little bit more powerful. It says, And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. So Elijah prayed, if you remember the story about Elijah, Elijah prays that it wasn't raining for three and a half years. So God sends Elijah to the brook brook at Kidron to be fed. And he has has, uh, crows flying in and dropping food into him to eat. And then what happens after a, after a while there, he's by this brook, because he's got food being dropped down by the birds. He's got a brook with water coming down. So he's got something to drink. But then the Lord says, I want you to go to another place. There's a woman I have for you. She's going to take care of you. Why? Well, Elijah, you prayed for three and a half years for it not to rain. That brook's going to dry up. Because there's something that happens when it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Brooks dry up. So, Elijah, because of his prayer, his intercession, it has stopped raining. He, 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 he's moving on. See, it happened for Elijah, and he was a man like us, subject to the same things, the same issues in life, same doubts, same fears, try to get on him, to try to get on us. But the difference was he was fervent in prayer. You'll have to be fervent in your prayers. you have to understand the power of your prayer that you pray something, it stays in this earth. God's honoring prayers that were released by our fathers and forefathers, grandmothers, grandparents, great-grandparents. All right, If they prayed a prayer in faith, God's still honoring it. There's still power in it. That's why that's why some families, you you'll you find a family that, that they don't even serve God. You look at the generation before them, they don't serve God. They want nothing to do with God. But then all of a sudden, one of them gets saved. And then the next thing you know, it's, it's like wildfire it's spreading through the family. What happened? Well, somebody, somebody in generations past had prayed for them, in addition to people present, had been interceding for this family. Okay? You need to see that on intercession. So you don't, you don't look at a situation as hopeless. It's not hopeless. It, it means the fire of God breathed into it, and you're the ones that release the fire of God. Okay, let's do a little a little bit of review. Let's go to uh, Psalm 106 and look back at back at this scripture here just a minute. You know, we talked about how Moses interceded for for the for the Israelites when God wanted to basically destroy them out in the desert. Mold your people and you start all over again. And it says the the Lord repented. But in Psalm 106, verse 23, it says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. So it says, the word tells us right here, because Moses interceded for Israel. God did not destroy them because of their sin. One man. One man, Moses, who killed a man. Remember that. Moses killed an Egyptian because he had struck a Jew, and that banished him out into the desert for forty years. He had to wait, and then God brought him back to deliver Israel. So it says the power of one man. All right, God didn't wipe out all the whole nation. I want you to look here uh, at another scripture in Job chapter 9. Job 9. Now, something I want to tell you about the book of Job. Job is one of the earliest books in the Bible, even though in your Bible it takes place further into it, right right before Psalms. See, your Bible, the King James, the New King James... They're not in chronological order. Job actually takes place before the law was even given. So that's why when you read the book of Job, you'll see some things that kind of contradict the law. Well, because that's because where there is no law, there is no sin. So that's why you have to understand when you read Job. But Job says this in, 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 in chapter 9. I'm going to read from the, the Amplified, verse... Uh, thirty two it says for God is not a mere man as I am, that I should answer him, that we should come together in court. Verse thirty three, and here's the one I want you to hear, and this is why I, I did it in the in the amplified. It says There is no umpire between us who might lay his hand upon us both would that there would that there were in other words he's saying I I I pray that there was. So Job is saying there's no man to stand in between God the Father and us and lay his hands on both of us. But see, he's prophesying. there's one to come. Who is it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If you go to uh, 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2. Let's look at this one. Timothy 2 and verse 5 for there is one God mediator between God and men the man Christ Jesus then Hebrews verse 9 or chapter 9 Hebrews 9 and verse 24 says for Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us so jesus entered into heaven and he entered he- into into heaven in God's presence for us, He's our mediator, He's interceding for us. Matter of fact, good Hebrews seven, verse twenty five, it says this. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever lives to make intercession for them. Now why did God, why did the word say this? Why does it say, wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost? Apparently there must be degrees of salvation. Or maybe what it's saying is, salvation is just not you, you being saved and you get to go to heaven when you die, although that's the most important one. How about a salvation from death? How about a sal- salvation of finances? How about a salvation of peace? Well, you can be saved, but you don't have any peace in your life. So see, that's what this word is saying. It says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Not just so that you have comfort knowing when you die you get to go to heaven, but when you're living. Sickness in your body. A lack of peace. A lack of knowing. He's able to save you to the uttermost. Seeing He ever lives to make intercession for them. So what, what's Jesus doing today? Right now, Jesus is interceding for you and me. He's interceding for you and me so that you see the importance of what he do, you. And you also take that and you intercede for not only yourself, but you intercede for others. You start seeing it. Because what Jesus sees in you, he doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your sins because he's already paid the price for all those. The sin problem in your life is the lack problem in your life, the sickness problem in your life has already been taken care of. All you need is to appropriate it into your life. He needs you to see it. And that's what he's interceding. He's interceding that each one of us will see what he has done for you. We'll see what he has done for your neighbors. We'll see what he's done for your brothers and your sisters, your aunts and your uncles, everybody that you know. That's what he's praying That's why we're as as intercessors the power that we have because when you start to see the power that you have there's not just Jesus interceding for us but now there's millions if not billions on this planet interceding for people. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. That's what Jesus said. He said when he he left he he said I will not leave you comfortless. I go to prepare but I will send the Comforter. He will lead you, and he will guide you into all truth. So what happened in the realm of the Spirit is Satan on that, on that day, when Jesus died, and three days later he rose from the dead, what Satan came to realize is up until that time, he only had one Jesus to deal with. Now he's got thousands, millions, billions of Jesus's to deal with. That's why he has no power over you. The only thing he can do to us is to get us to, to doubt what's in this word. Get us to question what's in this word. Get us to think that what's in this word is not important to you or your life. Get you to think that what's going on in the world is more important than anything that's going on in this book right here. Because if he can put you in that place, you'll, you'll not walk in the power that, that is yours. You'll walk defeated. You'll, you'll, you'll walk sick. You'll walk broke. You won't be a blessing to anybody else. You won't even feel like you're a blessing to yourself. How are you going to help somebody else if you don't feel blessed? So see, that's the revelation that 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 the Lord Jesus wants you to see is the power that's in you. That's why, that's why James said, Elijah was a man like us. But yet he prayed, and he said, it won't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't. Does that mean we can pray and it not rain for three and a half years? Yeah, you have that authority to. Now you better watch it because if you pray that it's not it's it, that's going to happen. That's a revelation. When you intercede and you pray and you see things, you spend time with the Lord, he gives you a vision on the inside. You take that vi- you take that vision that God has given you and you fight with that. You you war with that. Because when the devil tells you, no, it's not going to turn out that way. It's going to turn out the way that you see right here now. It's pretty bad in the natural, and it's only going to get worse. And then he'll send people to tell you to confirm that. Yeah, you know, the things in the world's getting really bad. It's only going to get worse. It's going to get worse for them. It's not going to get worse for you and me. All right? I'm going to look at another one here. Where's that at? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians. Well, Lord, you're just taking me all different ways. (laughs) That's okay, I'm not complaining. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, here's a real revelation on not only are you called to intercede, but you have a ministry. It may not be a pulpit ministry, but every Christian has a ministry. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. See, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. What's the what's reco- reconciliation? It, 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 it means you are to tell people that Jesus has paid the price for your sins. You are reconciled with Christ because Jesus paid the price for you. You don't have to stay sick. You don't have to stay broke. You don't have to live in fear. We're called to reconcile the people that we know to Christ. It doesn't mean you have to go to Africa and preach the gospel. Although if the Holy Spirit leads you in that direction, that's, how you, that's what you do. But you start right here at home. You start right at your house. You start right where the people that you work with. All right? Don't be afraid to stand up and say what the Word of God says about situations. Don't fear that. Don't fear when they say, well, you know, if you, if you don't get this jab, you're going to lose your job. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know, there, there's things that are coming out every every day and the world's in fear about what's going on in the world. Christians are running in fear. They don't know who to believe. Well, you believe the, the Word of God. What did God... What the Father tell you about things? Because, I see, I, I have said out of that relationship that you have with the Father comes everything in life. He'll tell you where to live, tell you where to work. He'll, I mean, He won't make you do that, but He'll give you advice. I don't know about you, but if He tells me something, I've learned over the years, you better listen to that. You better listen to it. Because I, I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't listened every time. And every time, every, every, every time I didn't listen to Him, it blew up in my face it just flat blew up. (laughs) Don't take all that time to learn. (laughs) When God tells you something, do it. Just listen to him. Just listen to him because there's things he'll tell you that are contradictory to the world. And don't let that bother you. Don't let that bother you. Okay? Okay? but if you, if you do something do it in faith. If you don't have faith attached to it, don't do it. If you're doubting something on the inside here, you got you're, if you're questioning something on the inside here, don't do it. Because that's the, that's where the spirit of God is in you. He speaks to you in here. Okay? So it says here let's go back he says He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trade of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, so, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ. Now, funny thing about the word ambassador. Um, in the natural, we have the United States has ambassadors to all different parts uh, of the earth, all different nations. We send ambassadors everywhere. And w- if you kind of look into what they do, When we send an ambassador, let's say to Germany, that ambassador doesn't go over there and have to raise money to build a house or to get a car, it's all provided for. The United States gives that ambassador in Germany a house. He gives that ambassador a car. He gives that ambassador food and finances so he lives in that in that land, which is not his. It's not his home. All right? So, see, when you start looking at it like that, we are ambassadors to Christ. Why? Because Earth, this is not our home. Heaven's our home. All right? And we're ambassadors here. That means God has a supply for you and me as an ambassador, He, suppl- he supplies. Our home, our cars, our food, everything. So when you start to get that revelation you, and you start to get that understanding, you start walking in that, you understand that God will give you a vehicle, and sometimes that vehicle is a job to bring finances in. But that job, that is not your supply. Jesus is your supply. Heaven is your supply. Why? Because you're an ambassador. And he's given unto you and me the ministry of reconciliation to, re- to reconcile the whole world and that meaning the world around you and us. Where you live, where you work, where you go to school, he's given you the ministry of reconciliation to tell these people what God's done for you. That they don't have to live under the curse. They don't have to live broke. They don't have to, they don't have to worry about things. He's made you an ambassador. And that's powerful. That's powerful. Go to 1 Timothy uh, 2. 1 Timothy 2. Y'all getting something today? Praise God. It's important that you get this. Because it it starts to change how you see things and how you look at things that are not only going on in your life, but in other people's lives, seeing the importance of intercession. All right? We intercede. Now Paul says this in in first Timothy chapter two verse one and two. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Okay, so see, that's what, another reason why you pray for others. You intercede for others so that you can live, you can live a peaceful life. Got a problem with your neighbors? You pray for? them? Well, maybe that's why you don't have peace. Maybe that's why there's no peace in your neighborhood because people aren't praying for the people that need prayer. You know, I, I learned a lesson a long time ago. And this really, it it proves that. The thing that irritates you the most, this is spiritual, kind of deep, but the thing that irritates you the most is what God has called you to intercede for. It may be someone. It could be a business. It could be many different things. God's called you to intercede for that. That, that, that situation. And sometimes it's 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 inanimate objects that really upset you and God's called you to to go out and and you know you get upset about something that's always that doesn't work all the time. You complain about it and worry about it and always griping about it. You know, there comes important times I realize. Okay, maybe the reason why this is bothering you so much is God's telling me to replace this thing. It's in my power to replace it. I mean, it's <laughs> if it's owned by the government. Okay, then I then I've got an intercede for it to be replaced, right? Right. But sometimes it's in your financial power. You can just go out and buy buy the replacement and put something new in there that's better. Does it make sense? Okay. So sometimes, you know, that, that's how the Spirit of God will work in situations, if, if things are going on around you that bother you, that's what you're called to intercede for. Spend time in prayer, and I, I don't, just give it, I don't just give it a day and say, well, that's, there's my intercede. No, 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 spend time in prayer. And I'm not saying you've got to spend all day in prayer, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes until you feel, you feel a release in your spirit but then come back to it periodically and say, Father, I'm just going to intercede on that. And if you don't have anything in the natural to pray, see, that's where you pray in the Spirit about situations. You know, there's times and and there's situations where I've I've taken the Word of God and I've spoken the Word of God over situations, but still, I, I, I don't have peace about it on the inside. So I just say, I say, Lord, I'm going to intercede on this situation here. Now, I've taken your word, I've spoken your word over it, but I just sense in the spirit realm there's, there's more praying to be done there. And I'll start praying in the Holy Ghost. And after, usually after a little while, I just feel a release in here. Okay, you're done. And I, and I stop. I'm done. And then over a period of time, I see change. And what does that do to my faith? It increases my faith, right? It increases your faith because well, you know you're it for that situation. See, we're interceding for this city and we're not only praying for the city, we're praying for surrounding areas and look what's happened. We've got a place just right across, it's just it's southeast of Lexington is where this revival is broken out. And these people are just coming in 24 hours a day and they're just praising. Sometimes, sometimes they got a, a a band up there. Sometimes they don't. But I mean, we're talking two, three, four hundred people in this in this church, and somebody will stand up and start singing a song. Next thing you know, everybody's singing it. Somebody will stand up and read the scripture. People are listening. Sometimes people just come forward and they repent. Repenting. They're repenting. They're turning from their wicked ways. And, you know, there's not really, there, there, there's not really an organized platform of, of events that's going on. See, that's God. That's God. That's how God operates. That's how God operates. You know, we're going we're gonna to partake of communion here. And see, we can't get so so pre-planned about things that when God starts to move, we we get upset because, well, that's not how we usually do things. But you're not God. You're not the Father. You know, He he changes things up on us. And when He he comes into a situation like that, you know, and there's revival breaking out, and it's 24 7. And I've heard Christians say, say this for years. Oh, we need revival. We need awakening. And I, and I, and I ask them, are, are you ready for awakening? Are you ready for revival? Do you know what happens in a revival? Right. <laughs> and I, I don't think really a lot of them realize. There's church 24 7. It's not just, well, oh, we're going to go to church one hour a week or two hours. It's 24-7. Amen. Amen. And what happens there is your life gets changed. You think you're on fire now. When you go through something like that, and the, and the Spirit of God reveals it to you. No, no man doing it. The Spirit of God reveals it to you. There's more. And you come back like, I've got to have this. I've got to have this. I don't want church as usual. We don't want church as usual. God doesn't want church as usual. You know, here we are. We're going to partake of communion here. You know, the word says that Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. This is a remembrance of our Covenant. When a covenant is made, okay, when tribes make a covenant, you know, we've heard blood covenant where they cut their, their wrists and they mingle the blood, and then they have a covenant meal afterwards. And the purpose of that covenant meal is to say, okay, everything that we said is yours, that, is, that was ours, and everything that we said was ours is yours, this meal solidifies it. And everything you said was yours is mine, this meal solidifies it. So when, when Paul is saying that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, remember, as a body of Christ, what he did for you. But not only that, not only that, remember what you have to do for him. Not out of being forced, but because it's what you're called to, because your body is no longer yours. It's no longer yours. It's His. Because when you got saved, you gave your life to Him. So your, body, your, your life is no longer yours. It's His to do with it as, as He will, wants. Now that doesn't mean He's going to have you do something you don't like. He won't do that. But I understand the covenant. And then Paul later on goes on to say, he said, many that take the covenant in an unworthy manner, they're sick. Many have died. Why? Because they take it in an unworthy manner. They, they, don't, they don't recognize the covenant that they have with the Lord. But see, we're not going to do that. We're going to say we're taking a covenant meal here. That this bread represents the body of Jesus. And I have a covenant with him. He has a covenant with me that by his stripes I'm healed. But my body is no longer mine. It's his. So i receive it. Then he took the cup of, of wine. And says this cup of the New Testament represents my blood. The shed blood of Jesus. The washing of, of our sins. So as we partake of it, We understand that because we are his, our sins have been forgiven. Now, our part of that is if you do sin, you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's all cleansed. Doesn't matter how bad it is. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 It says, let the redeemed say so. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word today. I call these people the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. Father, everything they put their hands to is blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You're dismissed. (laughs) Ha, <laughs> ha,